Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the one and only Long Beach State Athletics podcast that usually features the one and only Long Beach State Athletics director, Andy Fee. It is the LB Fee Show, and today we're bringing you a special Team USA podcast hosted, as always, by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and to my right... Mike Gardabasio, JJ just mentioned it. Uh, there's been a lot of coaches and athletes from Long Beach State as we move towards summer. It's international season. We're going to be talking to two coaches, Gavin Arroyo and Mauricio Ingracia, who've gotten a chance to work with US, uh, USA national teams for their sports uh, coming up a little bit later. We're not the international city for nothing, Mike. Well, and obviously the Olympic history at Long Beach State, I mean, if you've ever walked into the Euclea room or checked that out on the website, but there's so many Olympians, Olympians in every quad cycle since the school was founded. Yep, and for you non-nerds out there, quad cycle means that Long Beach State <laughs> has had a representative at every Summer Olympics since 1949, you don't which think, is pretty impressive. You don't think quadrennial is in the common lexicon? Not common, <laughs> no, Mike, not common. But we, like you mentioned, two coaches, but there's other coaches and other athletes who are, I mean, right now it's so, there's so many teams in the international world of athletics right like every age group has a team every country has multiple teams so there are more opportunities the longer we go here with these international competitions more opportunities for guys like these coaches and these players to get those uh, experiences well i think also because long beach state is historically so good at sports like volleyball and water polo these are these are olympic sports there is not a professional league in america that people graduate from college and move on to so that history really lies with those national teams and because of that there's sort of these deep connections uh when you and i covered the olympics in london obviously uh alan knight who's long beach state men's volleyball team just won the national championship was the head coach of that team and that's what I wanted to bring up was volleyball while we're recording this literally uh, TJ DeFalco and Kyle Ensing two first team All-Americans this year for the men's volleyball team are in China with the men's national team getting ready to play uh, a round of three matches against China Bulgaria and Argentina in June they'll be in Brazil uh, a week after that they'll be in Canada then they'll be in in Illinois, which is a little bit less exotic, obviously. <laughs> and then they uh, late June, they're going to be in Italy. If they do qualify, uh, this is what I'm so excited for. If they qualify for the FIVB Volleyball Nations League final round, that will be held in France, and the championship would be on the 4th of July. <laughs> wow. Wow, <laughs> so that's you, you, want, you want to talk about some red, white, and blue uh, fervor there if the USA team could be playing one of these other national powerhouses for a world championship on the 4th of July in France. Uh, also, in the mid-August, the Pan Am Cup uh, roster will likely be switched around a little bit there. And we may actually get to see uh, Josh Tuaninga maybe with the team for that stretch. Then uh, in September, the FIVB Men's World Championships will be held in Italy. Uh, that'll obviously be during school, so they'll sort of need to be some figuring out of schedules because it's a three-week uh, tournament out there in Italy and also some of it taking place in Bulgaria. And it's not just taking your game to the next level against the next level internationally. This is also traveling to countries where, for example, TJ and Kyle are in China right now. Right. That means you can't get on Google. That, right. There are like certain things that happen when you travel internationally that you don't consider. And like as a kid going on summer vacation where stuff like that is just happening to you, that's yeah. not that's not normal, Mike. No, I, I was DMing with TJ and I'm like, uh, hey, you know, we're going to do this international podcast. You know, can I send you some questions? He was like, yeah, but I think they're going to take my phone, though. Right. <laughs> because once you enter a different country, you don't know what's happening with your phone. It's not necessarily secure. So, yeah, it is for sure. It's it's the kind of like world level 
education that you hope for an elite athlete of any sport to get. It's study abroad taken to like 11. Yeah, because you're really packing like a full semester's worth of knowledge and experience. But amazing for those guys uh, before they enter their senior year of college to already be playing with. I mean, this is not the, the you know, all the U20, U23 stuff is amazing. But this is this is it. This is the team that will go to the Olympics uh, in Tokyo in two years. TJ has actually been on the team since right after he graduated high school, graduated Huntington Beach and went straight into the men's national program. Uh, I believe after his freshman year of college, he was the only collegiate player on the roster, despite having only been in college for a year, which was a pretty amazing accomplishment. So he's got a nice spot there. Kyle Ensing did make the cutdown list this year, which is really cool for him. Um, so to get to see those guys sort of growing into their positions on the on the world stage. You yeah. know? And, and remember, this has come up on this podcast a few times, but TJ was so good with the men's national team last year that he got professional offers. He had a very nice professional offer in Italy yeah. that would have been hard for Mike Gardabasio to say no to. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Chose to come back and win a national championship, which we're obviously glad that he did. But, well, uh, but the- these, these guys are already there. You know, if you're a volleyball fan, these guys are the best of the best already, and they're playing in the pyramid for another year. And those two aren't the only members of the national championship at Long Beach State men's volleyball team who are going to be on the international stage. Nick McRae, the super assistant for the 49ers is going to serve as, as an assistant coach for the U.S. Boys Youth National Team at the uh, North Seca Under-19 Continental Championships coming up this summer, which is pretty cool. So this is like the best high school age kids, uh, you know, that you've got out there across America. And it is, we're starting to see that roster become more coast-to-coast nationalized. There's suddenly players from New York and Texas and Illinois and Wisconsin. That obviously used to, at Florida, it used to be pretty much a California all-star traveling team. Uh, very cool to see them expanding. They go in uh, in June 4th to 10th. They will be in Costa Rica for that Norseca Championships that JJ mentioned. We're now going to bring on our first guest entering his 15th year as women's soccer coach here at Long Beach State and just turn the program into a national contender. Already made six NCAA tournament appearances in his short time here. Head coach Mauricio Ingracia. Mauricio, thank you for jo- joining the show. Make him say your name right. Thank you guys for having me again. You got to you got to chant it if you say it right. You, you, you got to put oi, oi, yes, oi. you have to put flavor on his name. <laughs> you served as an assistant coach during the recent US under 20 women's national team practices, a training camp there for 10 days in Carson. Just walk us through that process. I mean, what are those days like? There were outstanding days. There were there were days of um of learning. Um I was in a supporting role, so it was it was different for me. I'm used to solving things and planning things and executing things and and I had to take a back seat so it made me uh, more aware of what my assistant coaches go through probably and <laughs> um, but no it was it was a lot of fun uh, a lot of learning and and they're they're flying high right now they're on their way to uh, well they're preparing for the World Cup in a couple of months so it was a good experience and how exciting uh, you're obviously a big fan of international soccer I think you've been to more World Cups than anyone uh, in Long Beach that I know uh, so fun for you to get to be a part of the international stuff uh, for the USA team um, what is the coaching staff like is it is it a lot of other college coaches or is it coaches from different ranks and then uh, and then how nice is it for you you just mentioned as a coach of your own program there's so many logistical things you have to worry about how nice was it to just have that level of talent and be able to really focus on the game and the tactics and the things that probably made you really fall in love with coaching in the first place well the coaching staff is there is no no college coaches are on the u.s soccer staff u.s soccer has full-time coaches there's a, a head coach yitka klinkova of the uh, u20s and she's assisted 
uh, by Kerry Sarver and Jaime Frias, uh, who are each the head coaches of the U19s and the U18s, respectively. So they support each other. It's a, it's a tight group, and, and it's run by April Heinrichs. And um, so as a college coach, to come in and, and kind of sort of be a fly on the wall and, and help when needed, it was, it was great. It was a great experience, and it was um, something that um, it was an honor from the, from the moment I put on the, the shirt, it, the, the badge. I, I, I told uh, April that it was, uh, got a little bit emotional putting on the U.S. shirt um, and just to be able to go out and coach internationally, even though it was against the U23s, it was, ju it was just an amazing experience, and uh, I have so much respect for, for how hard they work. Uh, we were putting in, you know, 12 to 16 hour days uh, just to find a couple of clips to to show the kids and uh, and to tw and to add layers because, like I said, they're in the 11th hour here. They're they're less than six weeks away from the World Cup, so not much to add. Just you're keeping them going. You're you're testing them physically and and, and medically, and and uh, and you're just trying to keep the ship uh, moving in the right direction. What do you think it is about you or your coaching style that got their attention? to have you come in at, at, like you said, the 11th hour? Well, I think I'm, I'm local, so I'm cheap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that also, doesn't hurt, sure. <laughs> I, also th I also think that, that uh, you know, we've provided some players uh, for the national team uh, locally within our community, within our club system. And um, I've, I've known April for a long, long time since her days of coaching at UC Irvine. And so I think it was just a combination of things, timing and, and uh, yeah, for them to open up their, their doors, because my, my uh, inner circle of like inside the locker room, nobody really comes in there for, for us. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty sacred. And so for, for, for me to just have snuck in there is, uh, for me, I, I'm just so grateful. So were you guys breaking down X's and O's? I mean, who was picking whose brain in those meetings? Oh, no, I, I only spoke when... When I was asked, I wasn't gonna, <laughs> I wasn't gonna be the the dominant figure there. I, I I was there to learn. I was there to to support in any which any way. And and if they wanted my input, I was gonna give it to them. Is there one lesson that sticks out that that you'll be using this year or in the future? I don't know if there's one lesson. I think I think every day was a different experience. Um, I do feel like like there's the the amount of detail that goes into what they do is tremendous because they, they've only got literally out of that week, maybe there was five sessions maybe during the week, two games, five sessions, a couple of days off, and then the rest physical testing. So you can imagine you're flying everyone from all over the country to, to for this training camp, and they're only going to get five sessions. You're going to get one time of a finishing session, or you're going to get one time of a defensive session. And so the amount of detail um, into every minute by minute uh, – part of planning and 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 uh and part of the practice that was fun to watch and the communication styles and and obviously working with with the best players in the country is a thrill where are they going for the uh, for the world cup the world cup is in france that's awesome uh just talk a little bit about that i mean i don't know if you've got a chance to share with the players but you know i mentioned it before you've gone to so many world cups it's such a cool thing uh, about you and i know we just like to before the soccer season starts just pick your brain about <laughs> about that a little bit. What, uh, what what are your experiences like there? And you know, were you able to share any of those with some of the players? No, we didn't really talk about my World Cup experiences, but uh, I can imagine what they're going through uh, tr representing their country, and you can feel the tension in the room, the positive tension in the room. It's closer. This wasn't a camp where 
you're bringing in 40 kids to pick 22. Now this is the majority of the of the core is there. Um, you might, you know, be be fine tuning it. So the tension, the they beat the U23 national team, which is made of predominantly college players, uh, on the last day, which is an amazing game. Um, so the, I think they're they're getting ready. I think they're feeling it. I think they're it's it's palpable now. It's it's close and. For that last game to go the way it did, I, I think it's going to give them a big push moving forward. And for me, I'm uh, this might be the year that I break my streak. I don't know. Uh -oh. I don't know that that uh, Russia is going to happen. Although <laughs> it's like 50-50 right now. Well, you're not going to go see the uh, the Yanks, and that's probably part of the deciding factor. The USA men's team not going to be in the World Cup. I know you don't have the answer, but I'm crowdsourcing the answer, <laughs> Coach. So. If I put you in charge... He's been asking high school baseball coaches the same question. What do you think is the most important thing to get men's soccer in America back to World Cup stage? Well, I think everything's in place. I think uh, it, we we had a situation where we had maybe one too many coaches and and didn't uh, have a, a, a process. We didn't follow a process this time. We, we, we switched halfway across the river. I think we're going to make the next World Cup. I, I don't think it's that difficult to make it out of CONCACAF. And you're right. I think the fact that, that the United States is not playing in the World Cup, it makes it harder. You, you, there's not a lot of people going. And so you're not as fired up or you're not, you, don't, mm -hmm. you didn't find that one person that you want to connect with. So, like I said, it's 50-50 for me right now. All right, this is how we've been ending these interviews recently. We're talking movies, soccer movies, aplenty. There's a bunch to choose from. Do you have a favorite all-time soccer movie? Of course, victory. Oh yes, nice, good of course. one. Good one. Mine's Green Street Hooligans. Well, that's that's not really a soccer movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fighting. You, 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 you tell Elijah Wood that. My my favorite soccer movie is Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we also have to ask if they made the Mauricio Gracia story, the soccer movie about you. Who plays you in the movie? Oh my God, who plays me? Uh, it would have to be, without a doubt, Mr. Gavin Arroyo. <laughs> I like that. Actually, because he speaks Spanish. What, what, what's you can ask him in Spanish. What's funny is we asked Andy Scythe that question, and he said you. Oh, <laughs> there you go. We, we you, keep it in the family. Do you, uh, do you get that a lot that you look like Andy Scythe? Because once yeah. he said it, then I realized it. But I'm really ashamed of myself. He said he, said he gets mistaken for you fairly regularly. I didn't even know. Campus. I didn't even know yeah. this. He gets mistaken for me. I don't get mistaken for yeah. him. So, <laughs> he he also said that he would be Tom Arnold, which is uh, it's which is the least self-deprecating one we th I yeah, think we've gotten so good. far. Tom Arnold. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, Coach, congratulations again on being uh, being involved in that USA camp down there in Carson, and obviously best of luck this summer as you guys build up to your season starting in the fall. Thank you so much, guys, and keep it up. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Coach. It's apropos that we are doing an international city Long Beach Olympians Team USA podcast today because we've been talking a lot about how good Long Beach has been on the international stage recently on our other podcast that we do at the562.org, which is called what up long beach and we do these long beach sports mount rushmores so we've done like baseball basketball football we're doing track and field right now and we just uh we just finished the overall one uh a couple months ago so you can find all of those podcasts and those cool conversations about some incredible long beach history that you may not know about or have forgotten at the 562.org where you'll also find newsletters videos recaps previews the photos and then obviously give us the follow at Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date on everything local Long Beach sports.
Okay, excited to bring on our next guest, Gavin Arroyo. Uh, it is 12th year as the head coach of the water polo program at Long Beach State. And uh, we, we mentioned this is the show where we're talking about this awesome chance for uh, Long Beach State coaches to get to participate on the national team level. Gavin was an assistant coach for the men's senior national team when the team was competing in uh, against Australia in late March, which is amazing. Uh, I, I always hear this stuff from you guys and go, these guys are busy enough. How are you squeezing in national team stuff around your own season and uh, and all the other things that you've got to juggle? Well, I, like Mauricio said, I think it's just it's a great honor uh, to participate for any national team and um, being with being with the men's senior team. I I was with them in '05 and and going back now, where are we? 2018. That you know, it's been a while, but I mean, going through that program myself and you know, it's always something that stays with you, doesn't go away. You were the uh, junior national team head coach last year. Was there a big difference in the, in that level? You know, I mean, you're kind of like dipping into different levels of the sport, going from right. the juniors to college, now back to the to the national men's. So there's a huge difference in the X's and O's. Uh, there can be. Um, you know, it, the good thing with the men's senior team is, well, starting now we have more time together to to get a little more complicated. With the men's junior team, it was just kind of herding cats and trying to get them away from club or, or, or their college uh, responsibilities. So, uh, you know, that the time we had together, was everything was pretty basic okay. in our approach. So, In sports, like, we've had sort of a similar conversation with Alan Knipe uh, about men's volleyball, but I feel like for volleyball and water polo, you know, the national teams are, you know, obviously kind of as close to a fully developed pro league as we've got. They're really central to the sport, right? Um, what is that like? How does that change the dynamics for you guys as coaches? You know, for, you know the basketball coaches, obviously, right? There's there's different tiers to things, and I feel like right. there's sort of that national team continuity from a young age up through college, and then you know after playing at the NCAA level. Um, I mean, I think for us at, right now, our biggest challenge is retention. So at this at this moment, we have a fair amount of college guys. I, I don't think that's the ideal scenario for what we're trying to do long term. Um, so. Yeah, you have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but right now, 2018, I think we have about five guys maybe that are out of college, and then there are other 15 or so in the training camp or their college and even some high school guys uh, under Coach Adovasic, So, Coach, obviously international water polo is uh, held in higher regard and maybe is even better in more countries than not uh, compared to the U.S. So do you guys feel like the underdog when you are competing internationally? Because that's not the case for a lot of U.S. Uh, US team sports. Yeah, our, our our NC2A structure is not exactly ideal for us in our sport. Um, the professional club systems of, of Eastern Europe and, and Europe in general allow their younger kids to get pounded on by pros on a daily basis. Um, but on, for us, education is on some levels takes a higher priority. So sport, obviously, we have 20 hours and we have those types of things that the Europeans don't have to adhere to. They're just basically training like it's a full-time job from a, from, from what age for an elite player in Europe? Yeah, when I was playing in Europe, we had 17, 18-year-olds that were training six hours a day with us right. wow. when I was 27 years old. So, so that's not easy to close the gap on. Right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> not making excuses, but right. uh, it definitely helps. Is there a huge difference in uh, international water polo and maybe even just international club water polo from when you played to now, do you see a massive shift in the game, or is it pretty much the same? Uh, I, th I think it's the same. I guys guys are bigger, seemingly <laughs> and stronger. Um, I mean, I think the average height on the Croatia team is like six eight across the board. Jeez. And when I was playing, there was you know two or three six eighters, but but now it seems like uh, it's kind of like when basketball went to the you know, tall all power forwards are now six ten, not 
yeah. six three, six two, like they were back in the day. Are so. you seeing that in water polo where basketball's kind of losing traditional positions? Is that also happening in water polo? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, you know, we play like basketball. We have a big man in the middle, and um, you know that we played around a little bit with some rule changes, some five on five, and um, and, and then now they're cutting down to only uh, eleven players at this next Olympics. So nine field players means you have to start. Everyone's kind of has to be a little bit of a utility type player. So yeah, that's definitely happening. Hmm. So overseas, you know, obviously, especially in like Eastern Europe, water polo is such a dominant sport in like the overall culture there. Um, I think Tony Azevedo told us one time when he was, you know, he was playing abroad, the newspaper was printing the next day what he'd had to drink at the restaurant, you know, the night out before. That's how big the water polo players are there. <laughs> um, I, I, we, we're a little biased because we cover sports in Long Beach, so we see the we see the country's best water polo players, right? You know, right. between the college and the high school level, and we I'm it to me is the sport at the top of my list where it's like I'm surprised it's not a bigger presence on an ESPN or you know in America's sports landscape because I feel like anyone who goes and sees it kind of falls in love with the sport a little bit. Correct. What do you think it'll take to kind of move water polo up uh, in terms of overall exposure in America? I mean that's a how long you guys got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your what's your ninety second version yeah. of that answer? <laughs> I mean, I think there's a combination of marketing. I think there's a combination. I mean, look at what look what. I mean, I always kind of compare us to men's volleyball. Um, what they've done with AVP, they you know they did that back in the day, and you know like we were talking earlier, there was they were in Top Gun, you know. So just anybody can do it. I mean, you can go with your two buddies down to the beach and just hit a volleyball around. I think we we're missing that component a little bit, right? Um, but then again, there's water. Um, there's water in a lot of places. There's water yeah. in a lot of places. <laughs> um, you need a goal and you need some friends. And it's, it's hard to play pickup water polo. I think that's one of the things that kind of hurts us a little it, bit. It is a unique thing about Long Beach that when you talk to all of the Long Beach kids who came up through, you know, and a lot of them through Long Beach State as well as like Wilson High School, that was like they would play pickup water polo in the Naples Canals, you know. And that's right. a, that is a, that was something we'd always talk about. Like, well, that's unique, right? Like, you can't do that in Kansas or <laughs> in most places. Yeah. But you, you see swimming, the strength of swimming in the midwest is, is huge um you know water polo is growing in places like texas and florida and oregon uh, and even pennsylvania i think has three thousand club kids playing now so it's it's growing it's it's an alternative i mean it's kind of like the growth of lacrosse some of these other sports are, are getting you know bad raps with concussions and things like that and and we get those from time to time but i think it's a good healthy safe sport that that parents want to get their kids into. It's just so. exhausting, that's all. As someone who played about a month of high school water polo <laughs> and then tapped out, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We asked this of Coach Ingracia, is there something that you took from your time here with the national team or your any of your time with the national team uh, that you're going to take back to, uh, to to Long Beach State season next year as kind of like a lesson? No, I, I mean, absolutely. I've, I've been doing the – I did the junior team last year and did the cadet team, which is 16 and under the past two years. And, you know, just being over in Europe, spending some time, I mean, if – we're coaches so we're always we got one eye open on hey on this technique in this situation can I pick something up here or you, you can learn I mean if you're not learning you're, you're you're done right so just being in that environment um with a lot of international coaches even in, in fact being with the younger coaches who coach you know the say Serbian 20 under team or the Serbian six what they're doing those kinds of things are super exciting for me because I mean the sport's always changing and um, and they focus with the young kids, obviously focusing a, lo focusing a lot on fundamentals. So, All right, um, cool, yeah, learning that, tons. That makes sense. Uh, before yeah. we get out of here, we did it with Ingrassi. We got to do it with you. Uh -huh. Water polo movies? <laughs> I, I'm I was searching the globe for one. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there was one. Um, 
like a 1950 about the Hungarian Russia game in the 1956 Olympics, the Blood in the Water one. There's that okay, one. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't know Blood in the Water. Um, but you know, it's funny. I came across this, and it was more like a documentary from like the 1970s with a Bob um, Bob Horn at UCLA, and he had all these famous actors in this practicing water polo. Oh, like, we got to check this out. What's yeah, this called? I, I got to find it. I don't know. We got to Google it. But <laughs> yeah. I, this, Bob uh, Horn, he said? Yeah, Bob Horn, the old UCLA coach. Um, I forget who they had, like some super famous. It would be like the equivalent of having Brad Pitt doing a water polo. Oh, um, my. It was that. <laughs> All so right, we got to get, get back to that. We're going to get a crack research staff on that. Uh, right. If you were in that movie, who, who would play you? Oh, Mauricio Gracia. <laughs> I feel like they talked about this answer no, before they came good. on the He's show. He's the only one that can do me justice. I trust him completely. Well, maybe Andy Scythe can just play both of you guys, and we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Um, Coach, congratulations again. Obviously, so important to, uh, to have that international touch in the international city. Uh, best of luck this summer and into your season next year, and thanks for, thanks for uh, joining us. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. All right, that's all we've got this week for another episode of the LB Fee Show. Andy, by the way, is uh, handing out diplomas uh, maybe like a couple hundred yards from where we're recording in the pyramid. He's uh, taking part in the graduations going on at Long Beach State. Uh, and uh, we sorely missed, but as we mentioned last week, you know, hopefully he's keeping his, uh, his hands rested, iced in yeah. between graduations so that he's not, you know, not going to have to go out for a couple weeks or anything. Don't be a hero, Andy. Get into that training room. <laughs> being prepared is being prepared to recover. From, from that hard work out there. I feel like I want to travel internationally right now after all of those discussions. You are. You're going to. I am. <laughs> How yeah. nice for you. I feel like I really want to go, like, <laughs> right like right now. <laughs> but throughout this summer, obviously, Long Beach State and the local sports community will be active, and you're going to be able to find all of that coverage at the562.org uh, and the podcast that we do there uh, that Mike and I really enjoy because it's really just our opportunity to run our mouths. And you know we love to do that. Summer just around the corner. We will have one more end-of-year show next week where we're going to talk about the top ten moments in Long Beach State sports this year. And we're also going to ask Andy Fee your questions. So if you've got questions for the athletic director, go ahead and shoot us an email at mike at the562.org or jj at the562.org. And uh, Andy obviously has been uh, incredibly forthright, been a very transparent guy who likes to engage with the community. And uh, I'm, exci- I'm excited for that. I'm excited to end the show uh, for the season with talking about some of our favorite stuff and then to kind of foster that uh, interaction a little bit between Andy and Long Beach State fans. It's going to be a knockdown drag out as the number one moment of the year, Mike. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Real tough. I don't know. They're hanging banners for a lot of moments (laughs) that happened this year, for sure. Uh, Thanks to Andy for having us uh, on the show and uh, helping out uh, sponsoring the562.org. Thanks, as always, to producer Roger Kirk. Thanks to Gavin and Mauricio for making the time here at the end of the year. Uh, Thanks to everybody except uh, the thousands of people parked in the parking lot that I totally forgot were going to be there (laughs) when I was coming over earlier today. Congratulations, grads. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs)